Thanksgiving Day turkey cooking maneuvers. We talk to the expert, the great Colonel Ange from the Pooch Pit. This special combination edition of the Cigar Dave Show and Bold Alpha podcast is presented by Gurkha, the world's finest cigars, including the Gurkha Real. Connecticut wrapper comes to Gurkha, mild, creamy, and smooth. GurkhaCigars.com. By New World from A.J. Fernandez. There's a new world for every palate. From the mild New World Connecticut to the medium spicy New World Cameroon to the ultra-flavorful bold New World Oscuro. AJFCigars.com. And by Davidoff of Geneva. Introducing the new Camacho Nicaragua. Forged in fire. Harnessing the wild flavors of Nicaragua. Camacho. Live loud. Available at DavidoffGeneva.com. This is the Cigar Dave Podcast with the General. Long ash greetings and salutations. A long ash snappy salute. Semper delictatio. Always pleasure. Long live the alpha. Make America great again. Make masculinity great again. Screw the enemies of pleasure. Screw the fraudulent vote tabulators. As always, it is your global five-star general. And Alpha Male-in-Chief coming to you from Command Center Alpha in the Cigar City of Tampa. And it is my pleasure to head up to the Western New York Theater of Operations into the Pooch Pit and greet the great Colonel Ange as we talk Thanksgiving turkey cooking maneuvers. Welcome, Colonel Ange. Long ashes, General. Well, last time we, uh, we got together, Colonel Ange, I was up in the pooch pit, physically in the pooch pit in early August. It was uh, pushing 90 degrees. You had made some incredible smoke delicacies on one of the many smokers and grills in the pooch pit. We enjoyed some fine cigars, and we had a chance to talk about your background being in the Navy and learning your cooking, uh, really where you got your cooking expertise. And Colonel Ange, I'd say that... Cooking for, I think you told me, what'd you cook for? Like uh, 1,200 guys, something like that? That I would say yep. cooking for 10, 15, 20 people's got to be a piece of cake. You know, it's funny. When you put it that way, you're absolutely right. You know, maybe that's how they should start everybody. Start with a boatload of Marines, and then you can work your way down to your family and friends. Now, Colonel Ange, let me ask you, on the holidays for Thanksgiving and Christmas, did you prepare special meals on those days? Uh, of course. Oh, of course. I mean, we treated those days just the way you'd have your family meal. The whole idea was to make you feel at home. So, for sure. Thanksgiving, there was definitely turkey. Uh, Easter, there was always ham. Uh, Christmas was also ham. Uh, Absolutely. And we did the fixins and the sides, all the traditionals. We made the uh, bread stuffing, cranberry sauce, (laughs) mashed potatoes. Oh, yeah, the guys loved it. Now, Colonel Lange, uh, how many how many men were on the ship? One more time, tell me that. Uh, total complement of about anywhere from twelve hundred to fifteen hundred on the uh, USS Missouri. On the Missouri, or as they say in Missouri, in the Missouri, on the Missouri. On the, on the That's Missouri. right. Yep, on on yep. the Missouri. All right. So twelve to fifteen hundred members of our armed forces you had to cook for. How many turkeys did you prepare for all those hungry? Marines and uh, uh, Navy crew? Well, what we would do is we'd always figure uh, one and a half pounds per per, uh, per person. So, again, you just take it and do the math. I mean, there, uh, I, I remember seeing hundreds of turkeys come up on a pallet, 
and we would absolutely start the turkeys a week ahead. There's no way you can do that all in a day or even two days. So for the holidays, for the ham and the turkey, when you had to make something big, uh, you would start at least a week ahead. You would part cook them off and then uh, store them and then reheat them as the day went on. I, th I don't think I ever cooked in the service a ham or a turkey on the holiday itself. It was all, all, all done ahead of time. All right, so here's the question. That's a lot of carving. You're talking about, <laughs> yeah. what, 2,000, 2,500 pounds of turkey to carve. Now, right. how, did you carve that in real time as they were coming through the line, or did you have them in chafing dishes? Uh, we did it in chafing dishes. Again, we did, turkeys are done. You, br you bring them up to uh, room temperature, and then you put them into the ovens. You get them at the right heat. You bring them out, and you'd start, oh, I would say mm, two days before and carve and put them in chafing dishes. I, I'm sorry, one day before. Put them in the chafing dishes and then just start loading them up in the morning and keep them going all day long. I mean, we had we had the uh, the prep ovens just stacked with trays, stacked. And you didn't have a huge kitchen. I remember from our conversation, and you didn't have a huge crew. You had what, like twelve people in your kitchen crew, fifteen, something like that. Oh, max. Usually it was ten. Wow. Yeah, ten guys. Ten guys to feed twelve to fifteen hundred people. That is <laughs> yeah. amazing. Now, Colonel Ed, yeah. did you have one of those electric knives that uh, you know, like my uh, uh, cigar mother and father had that they used, or did you actually have to carve it manually with the with the sharp knife? Ah, uh, no, we sharpened our knives. We used a bigger knife and we cut them all by hand. Now there was, wow. we didn't have the electric knives, but it goes pretty. You know what? After you do about two hundred of these things. It happens pretty quick. <laughs> <laughs> so rest assured, whenever I'm invited to somebody's house where they have turkey, I get to do the carving because they know it's done in a hurry. All right, now let's talk about the fixings. You probably had mashed potatoes. You had stuffing. Yep. You probably had, uh, what, uh, candied yams? Is that about right? Yeah, we'd sweet have potatoes. yams, sweet potatoes. We would do, all, always had corn. I don't know what it is, but guys just love the, the corn with butter. That was always, and beans, Always had green beans. You had oh, beans, you gotta have the, we got to have the green beans with the cream of mushroom soup and the uh, the fried onions on there. Yep, we actually that's made mandatory. That. Yeah, yeah, that's fantastic. Now let me yeah. ask you this: you didn't buy stovetop stuffing, I, I assume. <laughs> you had to make it from scratch, <laughs> right? So, how many pounds but, of stuffing did you make? Like a thousand? Yeah, probably somewhere around wow. there. I mean, you when you think about it, you can take. I mean, we didn't cut all the bread by hand, but we would have uh, the bread would already come in like croutons. They wouldn't be right. toasted, but it would already be in a bag. So now you're taking about a five-pound bag and dumping it into a 50-gallon kettle and mixing it all with uh, with the kettle mixer and then scooping it out and again, putting them in, in the uh, trays and laying them in the, uh, laying them in the line. Now it, there it's are it's a hell of an operation to see. I, I was going to say, with ten kitchen crew, that is amazing to feed that many people. Everything made by scratch. Mm -hmm. it, it's almost when you think about it, it seems like an impossible task to do it seven days a week, three sixty-five. Well, you know, it's it again. You get used to doing whatever you're doing, but uh, I can say this: the turkeys and the ham. I mean, that was a lot more labor-intensive, obviously, because of you know, the, the size of the protein that you're putting together. You know, typically day in and day out, you aren't working with protein that's that size and requires that kind of work. 
But yeah, I mean, you know, even bacon and eggs and grits and uh, and uh, uh, cream chip beef on toast takes uh, takes a lot of hands to put out every day. Yeah, I probably I'm sure there are days you said let's just throw out a few thousand bagels, let them put a few toasters out there. Let them have at it. We need a break. <laughs> well, you know what? It's funny you say that because we put bagels out there. They, were, they weren't they were on the line. They were outside of the kitchen and off to the side. There was always fruit. There was always bagels. Uh, and there were toasters. And, uh, you know, guys, help yourself. Go go out and take care of all that. But that we served that every breakfast. Every breakfast had bagels, toast uh, that the guys could make up themselves. Yeah, Herculean uh, really efforts when you think about it. Now, before we get into talking about the various methods of cooking, and there are the there's the old-fashioned roasted, you can grill a turkey, you can smoke a turkey, and of course my absolute favorite now, frying a turkey. But before mm-hmm. we even get into the methods, let's talk about what type of turkey to buy. Do you buy a fresh? Do you buy a frozen? Do you buy an organic? I can tell you that Cigar Sister Lynn already didn't put in her request, put in an order to me stating I need to purchase an organic fresh turkey, which I did from Whole Foods, and I get, as an Amazon Prime member, they give a special discount to members. So I think I'm paying, I think, $2.99 a pound for mm-hmm. an organic turkey, and I got a 20, let's see, the Oof. fryer that I use can go up to 20, I think 22 or 24 pounds, so I got a 20-pound bird, 18 to 20-pound bird, uh, I always like to get extra, so this way I have it, and you can have turkey for like the next two weeks. But 18 to 20 is what I got. But Colonel Ange, there's butter balls, there's frozen, so let's talk about the various types of turkeys, because really, it starts with the bird. Yeah, it starts with the bird, and you know, there are people that say, I won't have anything else but a fresh turkey, and people that buy the frozen. Here's First of all, let me say this. The cooking is more important than the bird, Okay. In the end, the cooking is more important. Now, fresh turkey is great, but you really have to know your farmer. I mean, you have to know that that uh, bird is being eaten a week after it was slaughtered. I mean, I wouldn't want a bird that sat in a refrigerator, uh, not frozen for two weeks, and then make Thanksgiving dinner with that bird. I mean, you're not going to get any bacteria, but you're going to have something where the protein has started to break down and you just won't have a moist bird. So for me, uh, in uh, past years, uh, it would depend on the farmer that I knew. There was one for a, a couple of years that I used. He went out of business, didn't trust the rest. I didn't like the operation. So I look for a bird that is slaughtered and flash frozen the same day. Then you're not having any problems with it. Believe okay. me, these days, uh, some of the best foods you're going to get, even in your most expensive steakhouses, you're getting uh, meat that is butchered and flash frozen uh, immediately. So Wait, wait, you're talking about even meat? You're talking about steaks? Oh, of course. Oh, really? Oh, I can, I'll, I'll tell you a little secret that you may not have known. A uh, very famous steakhouse in Buffalo that I know you've eaten at, Russell's Steaks, Chops, and More. Sure, great. His meat is come. It comes in frozen. Really? Yes, it does. Yeah. Yeah. I never realized that. I always thought they purchased relatively fresh and kept it refrigerated, and yeah. uh, either aged it or just as soon as it came in, they started using it. No, nope, no, nope. they get it. They get it frozen. In fact, many of your local supermarket chains are doing the same thing. 
Uh, very little of the meat is uh, sent to them to be butchered. I mean, that's all. That's a dying art. You won't find that at major uh, uh, supermarkets these days. Some of the smaller shops, we have a chain here in Buffalo with half a dozen shops. They do butcher their uh, meat, but the rest is all frozen. So again, you've eaten at Russell's, you've tasted their meat, you love their Fantastic. steaks. Fantastic, yeah. yeah. Yeah, those are frozen. And honestly, it's if, you, if it's done right, if it's if it's slaughtered and frozen the same day, there is no difference at all from that and getting it fresh from the farmer. None. Wow, never knew. Now, I know that with seafood, much of it is done that way. They flash freeze it. Otherwise, by the time they bring it back, it will already start uh, spoiling, start rotting. Yes, no, absolutely. People don't under, they see that. They go, to, uh, they go to their shops and they see the seafood all laid out or they see all the chops and the cuts of meat laid out. You know, 90% of this stuff is frozen and again it, 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 it there's as long as it's done within 24 hours of it being slaughtered you're fine you're absolutely fine well so basically then whether it's frozen fresh no problem if you do mm-hmm. purchase a frozen turkey how long do you need to thaw that bird oh you're gonna need a day for every four to five pounds of bird Okay. A day so. for every four to five pounds. So a twenty pound turkey, you're talking four days? Oh, five. I would five I would, days, really. I would be you would be safe to go five days. Yeah. And would you because keep that, that in the refrigerator and let it thaw or outside? Yes. In no, the always in the in the okay. fridge. And you know if you do it any less than that, let's say you get a, a five pound bird and in three days you say, Well, this thing looks fine to me. Let's let's rock and roll. There's gonna be ice crystals, there's moisture that's deep in the meat, especially the breast. Again, that's your thickest piece of meat on a turkey. That breast will hold the ice crystals. And uh, well, and if you deep fry a bird that has ice crystals in the breast, well you know what's happening. Yeah, uh, you you're gonna, exactly you're gonna yes. have a mess on your hands. Yeah. So I would be, you know, be safe. Just be safe. If you got a 20-pound bird, count on five days. If it's done in four, well, that's when you could decide whether, you know, how you're going to treat the bird after it defrosts. Are you going to dry brine it? You're going to wet brine it? Uh, whatever methods you're going to use. So, so honestly, if you've got a 20-pound bird and you're going to do a, uh, a dry brine on that bird, you've got to start a week ahead. All right, so let's talk about brining. So we've talked okay. about the turkeys. And by the way, this time of year, most every supermarket does have fresh birds that are refrigerated that are not frozen. I mean, every every it's interesting. I didn't realize this because I needed to pick up a turkey, and uh, Cigar Sister Lynn said, look, just call uh, the supermarket. Publix down here in Florida, and there's several other Whole Foods. I didn't realize that year-round they always carry a small number of refrigerated turkeys, so it's not an issue. But most of the time when you go in, you see in the meat section and there's a giant freezer full of frozen butterballs, but mm-hmm. many of them do have the fresh. So if you don't want to go through the defrosting process, the thawing process, just call your supermarket. Usually you can find one that has a refrigerated fresh turkey. So once you thaw the turkey, you buy a refrigerated turkey, it's ready to go. Let's discuss the brining process. And why? what is brining? Why must you brine? Well, brining, uh, if I want to do my Alton Brown, brining uh, is diffusion and osmosis. Okay, Diffusion is it's moving something from one place to another, and osmosis is drawing liquid from outside to inside the bird. 
Okay, so the whole idea behind this, of course, is you want to add moisture inside the bird so it doesn't dry out. Because you know poultry and chicken, turkey, it'll dry out if it doesn't have a lot of moisture or if you cook it too long. So two ways to do it is you can uh, wet brine it. Uh, wet brining is a process that you're going to use salt and water. It's the basic. Now you can add things to that. You can add bay leaves. You can add uh, juniper berries. You can add sage. Jack Daniels. Time. Jack Daniels. You can put wine. And you have to dissolve the sugar and the salt in the water. So you, you, know, you take enough water that the bird can be submerged and add a little more because you're going to lose some of the water. You put your salt and your sugar in. You heat the water up and you make sure that that's dissolved. You cool the water down, obviously. You never put a bird into warm or hot water that you're brining. And you can add anything else, any aromatics that you want to that water, or liquor, Jack Daniels, whatever, wine. You need to submerge the bird for a minimum of six hours. A 20-pound bird, you'd have to give it, I would give it, 20, I would give it 24 hours. Then you bring it out of the brine and I would rinse it. Now there's talk both ways whether you not need to rinse it. I say rinse the bird, but then I think the most important part uh, with wet brining, and this will go to dry brining, we can talk about that in a minute. The next thing you do though is you need six hours to overnight to put that bird on a tray in your refrigerator uncovered so that the skin dries out in the fridge. The natural dehumidification process that goes on in your refrigerator, it, it wicks away moisture all day long. You want that bird to sit out in that air so that the skin dries so you can end up with a crispy skin. If you don't give it that time, you're gonna have a soggy uh, skin on that bird every time. Interesting. So. Basically, and I, I know you taught me how to get you get that syringe that you can pick up at the supermarket, and you just inject it. I know sometimes uh, I'll use also apple cider uh, we'll put in there. Uh, we'll put a little Jack Daniels, uh, and you just really inject it to get that nice and juicy. You want all that. You want to keep that, that turkey moist. That is the key during the cooking process, no matter what the cooking process is. Yeah, correct. And that's, my preferred method is a dry brine. Okay, now dry brining is just the process of salting the outside of the bird. So what I do with my bird is I used to wet brine. And honestly, I, there's no difference between wet brining and dry brining if you do it right. So what I'll do is, is this. I will defrost the bird. I hit it with salt. You need about a half a teaspoon of kosher salt for every pound of meat. And you definitely want to salt the breast more uh, again, thickest part of the meat, then you do the rest. I put that bird in the refrigerator for 24 hours. The salt, uh, the moisture on the skin dissolves the salt. The salt goes into the meat. The salt now that's in the meat is drawing the moisture from the outside of that bird inside of the bird. There's your osmosis and your diffusion. Now you're getting this, uh, you're getting it in. You don't need to soak it in water. And then, then I inject it. I inject it with butter, melted butter. Melt the butter, cool it down, take your injector, and then hit it all over. So now you've got the moisture in, plus you've added butter on the inside. Simple method, you know how long, it takes 10 minutes to do the injection process, and it's a perfect bird for either grilling or roasting. Now, Colonel Ange, 
can you do a combination? Can you say, I want to do some wet brining with my Jack Daniels and with my, or wine, or with some apple cider uh, or, or chicken stock, whatever the case may be, and do a dry brine as well? You can, yes. And I would, uh, I would uh, go with something that has a little bit of acidity in it. I would definitely uh, prefer apple cider uh, to uh, liquor because the cider is going to have a little bit more acidity in it, and that'll give the bird a little bit more kick. But yes, you could absolutely do a combination of both. You can, in fact, I would, like I said, with a wet brine, you still want to have that bird rest in the fridge for 24 hours uncovered. Hit it with some salt. I would go a little bit lighter than a typical dry brine. If you've already wet brined it, without getting too complicated, cut the salt in half, maybe a quarter teaspoon for every pound of meat so it doesn't get to be too salty because remember you've already uh, you've already injected it but yeah sure do both you do both you wet brine and then dry and then hit it with some salt either way though any way that you're gonna cook your bird please try and give it an overnight in the fridge uncovered I mean that is makes a big difference I everything from chicken uncovered wings to a, and that allows the uncovered. skin to get crispier Yes, what happens is, it, again, the refrigerator is built in dehumidifier. It's constantly whisking the moisture out of the air in the fridge. Okay, you know that, like, if you have a bad fridge, you'll see water dripping from right. the doors when you Right. If your fridge is in good shape, you never see that. What's happening is the moisture that's in the air is being taken out by the dehumidifier that's in your fridge. This dries the skin. It's, it's, I, I would say that it's a necessary step for all your turkey and I even do this as you know the night before with uh, chicken wings right I put them in put them in the fridge and let that skin dry out so if I'm smoking them or grilling them I'll get crispy skin that's the, that's the worst part about doing it uh, on a grill uh, in a smoker is that if you don't dry that skin out ahead of time so that it's air dried you will end up with with flabby skin and you know again there there goes the whole who wants flabby bird. skin you don't want flabby. Right. nobody wants flabby skin now colonel Lange, i will say this i have done a dry brine with using cajun seasoning in fact colonel Lange is very famous cajun <laughs> seasoning that you gave me a nice dry rub that you gave me many years ago when uh, private g was a little uh, a, a junior g if you if you will at the time and that gave it a beautiful Nice spice, nice uh, flavor, not overpowering, but it just gave it a really nice Cajun-style taste. And, and the turkey was juicy. It was delicious all the way. So you can really experiment. I say just go for it. Yeah, and the other thing to just keep in mind, my, uh, my rubs uh, have, I use salt in my rubs for exactly that reason. Okay, because it does help in, uh, in uh, getting rid of the moisture, making the skin crispy. So if you're going to buy one from the store, try and find one that has at least a 10% salt mixture in the rub. Okay, because there are some rubs, some barbecue rubs, that they leave the salt out because people tend to want to salt and, uh, their, uh, their meat uh, independently. But if you're going to use a store-bought rub, that's cool. In fact, when I deep fry... I always use one of my seasonings, either a classic pork seasoning or, uh, or the one you use, the Cajun. But again, I've got a 10% salt mixture in there, so you're fine to use that. 
Outstanding. All right, so now yeah. we know in terms of the type of turkeys to look for, whether you want frozen or fresh. And if you buy frozen, you better a lot. Three, four, five days to properly thaw that turkey. We also talked about brining. You can do a wet brine. You can do a dry brine. But it is key, no matter how you cook your turkey, you must put it through a brine process. Now, there are four ways to cook it, at least roasting, grilling, smoking, frying. We will get to that after we conduct the National Cigar Litation and Libation Ceremony on this special Happy Thanksgiving Turkey Cooking Maneuvers edition of the Cigar Dave Show and Bold Alpha Podcasts. Gurkha has long been known for making the world's finest cigars. From its packaging to its construction, every part of a Gurkha cigar is exceptional. And for those of you that are looking for a creamy, mellow to medium cigar with notes of subtle sweetness and subtle tastes of cedar, the Gurkha Real is for you. Featuring an Ecuadorian Connecticut wrapper, Dominican Olor binder, Atop Dominican Criollo and Nicaraguan long fillers, the Gurkha Real is a delightful sensory experience on your taste buds. Not overpowering, pleasant, smooth, a great cigar any time of day. Give the GurkaReal.com a try today. If you're looking for an any time of day cigar, the Gurkha Real is for you. Check it out at GurkhaCigars.com. With an unlimited and secure supply of pleasure sticks available for the general to enjoy, it's time for National Cigar Litation Maneuvers. Well, I have selected a cigar that will be featured in the November Officers Club selection. I have been remiss in letting our listeners and our Officers Club members know what the November selection is. And I am pleased to report that it is coming from Alec Bradley. My good friends over at Alec Bradley, whether it is Alan Rubin or his sons Alec or Bradley Rubin, Ralph Montero, they create magnificent cigars. Cigars that always have unique flavor characteristics, taste profiles. Every stick they come out with, I enjoy. There's not one in their entire lineup that I say, you know, I really don't like it. They've got primarily mild, medium, full, some super full. But we have really put together a nice cross-section a little sampler, if you will. First up, the Alec Bradley Prensado, one of my favorite sticks. Then the Alec Bradley Black Market Esteli from Nicaragua, huge seller. And lastly, a cigar that I don't think gets enough love in the Alec Bradley lineup in their portfolio because they have so many great cigars. But if you want a great cigar at a great price, the Alec Bradley Max. They relaunched it about five years ago. And it's funny because every time at the Cigar Retailers Convention, I would go to the Alec Bradley booth. They have all the samples behind the, the counter. They have espresso. And, of course, I just help myself, knowing uh, that it's almost like I'm family with uh, Alan Rubin and uh, the entire Alec Bradley group. So I just go back, and they're saying, General, you want this new one? You want that? I go, no, no, no. I go right for the bundle that has the Alec Bradley Max. It's a delicious cigar. It comes in, I think, six different sizes, five different sizes. And in our officers club, we will be shipping out the Max Fix, which is a Gordo, almost a Magnum, five inches in length with a 58 ring gauge. Beautiful stick. Let me tell you about this particular cigar. The wrapper is cloaked in a dark Nicaraguan Maduro wrapper leaf. 
It has a four-country blend of filler cigar tobaccos that is surrounded by a Costa Rican binder. It's got Colombian, Nicaraguan, Honduran, Mexican fillers. The result, a delicious, rich, but very smooth, medium to full-bodied cigar, some nice natural sweetness, kind of a toasty type of flavor, but it's not going to overpower you. It is a delicious cigar you absolutely cannot go wrong with. And again, that is going to be included in the November Officers Club selection that will ship out probably next week or maybe just after Thanksgiving. Remember, there's been some storms and some other issues going on in Honduras and Nicaragua. There's a Cat 4, Cat 5 hurricane that uh, just hit. I'm waiting to hear what the damage assessment, a lot of flooding, but we should be able to get that out. Uh, We're hoping by just before Thanksgiving or just after. So be patient, but you will have these fantastic cigars, including the Alec Bradley Max in the November Officers Club. Cigar-altering and highly sharpened leaf-exposing device. You can hear in my right hand, I am flexing the blades from my self-sharpening double-edged stainless steel guillotine. It is ready to go. Maximum BTU flame-throwing and heat-producing apparatus. Well, I've got in front of me my Cigar Dave from the Cigar Dave R&D Laboratories, my CCK, the Chinese Communist Killer. You line up a whole bunch of President Xi Jinping and all the Chinese communist bastard prick sons of bitches, and you fire this thing and you vaporize them. By the way, it works on Democrats as well, too. And any vote tabulators and vote counters who fraudulently count votes and stuff the ballot box. You just take this and line those bastards up, bam, you'll fry those fuckers in two seconds. Cigar Cigar pre-lightation checklist complete. No faults detected. Area clear of all enemies of pleasure. Approval to go throttle up in three, two, one. Perfect cut. By the way, have I expressed to you the delight and not having to deal with FCC restrictions in terms of my speech. So just like the great General George S. Patton said, I get carried away with my own profane eloquence. And I can give it to you not only double dirty as General Patton did, but triple and quadruple dirty in the 21st century. All right, let me toast the foot of this Alec Bradley Max. Colonel Ange, what have you lit up for our Combination Cigar Dave show and Bold Alpha podcast as we discuss Thanksgiving turkey cooking maneuvers. I have uh, Ricky Rodriguez's brand new addition to the CAO line, the CAO Bones. I have the Huey. Mm, good cigar. I like it. Oh, it's a delicious cigar. It's be- mm-hmm. fast becoming one of my go-to cigars. Great, mm-hmm. great blend. Outstanding. Let me just do this real quick. Blow on the foot of the cigar. Perfect. Uh, perfect litation. Even amber glow. Take several puffs. Mm. Love this Alec Bradley Max. Love the vertical band on it. Just a beautiful cigar. Now, I need something that will properly accompany this Alec Bradley Max and something that is appropriate as we get ready to discuss Thanksgiving turkey cooking maneuvers and talk about the four primary methods. Scotch, bourbon, and beer. Commence thirst-quenching libationary maneuvers. Colonel Ange, would you like to take a stab at what type of spirit I will enjoy today 
as we discuss Thanksgiving turkey cooking maneuvers. It's got to be appropriate for Thanksgiving. Do you need to phone a friend, Colonel Ange? Have we lost Colonel Ange? Here we go. Oh, I there we go. General. C- Colonel Ange, I got worried there. I thought I thought you were phoning a friend or maybe we lost you. Maybe uh, Kim Jong Cuomo came and invaded the, the pooch pit. Yeah, they were checking the number of people uh, registered for my Thanksgiving dinner. <laughs> trying, to keep, trying to keep it under the limit. I had to give them the guest list. Uh, General, I'm going to say, let's go out on a limb and think that perhaps with that cigar and uh, knowing how you prepare the bird, how about a uh, fine whiskey? Well, I'm going to enjoy a bourbon whiskey, yes. Would you like to take okay. a stab at the brand? And I'll give you a hint. Gobble, gobble. Oh, wild turkey. You are correct. I have got yes. the good old-fashioned regular oh, bottle of wild turkey bourbon originally crafted by the great master distiller Eddie Russell. This was first called Wild Turkey 81. Now they just call it Wild Turkey. Aged in American white oak barrels, and they use the deepest char. It's called a number four alligator char, and it's very deep. And what that allows, what hap- that, what that does is it allows the the actual whiskey to really penetrate into the oak, into the American white oak, the charred oak barrel, and get some very nice, just woody type flavors on it. You get nice notes of vanilla, some spice. It's got a nice flavor. It's full and rich. I enjoy it straight. You can put a little branch, which is also known as water, a little branch in there, Kentucky branch, or you can uh, just Mix, use it as a mixer. I like it neat. This was a favorite of Herb Kelleher, who was the longtime president and CEO, co-founder of Southwest Airlines. And Herb just had his wild turkey straight up, man, with his Marlboro cigarettes. And I think he lived to like, what was it, 85, 86? Hmm. But he was uh, quite the character. But wild turkey. And when you think about wild turkey, again, this was initially... Uh, blended by Eddie Russell and his son, Jimmy Russell, who is the longest tenured active master distiller in the world, over 60 years. He is known as the Buddha of bourbon. We have had him on the Cigar Dave show as we have celebrated National Bourbon Heritage Month. We had him on at least six, seven years ago. Maybe it was a little bit longer. Super nice guy. Couldn't have been more pleasant. Spent a ton of time with us. Now he's got his son, who is uh, also active, his son Eddie. But Jimmy Russell and his grandfather, actually, Wild Turkey. They created this brand. And in fact, now when you look at some of the other brands that are in the Wild Turkey lineup, they actually have Russell's Reserve, which is a very, very good. They've got Russell's Reserve 6, the 10, the single barrel. And they're coming out with a new bourbon called Wild Turkey Long Branch, eight-year-old Kentucky straight bourbon made in small batches, and it's refined with Texas mesquite and American oak charcoal. So what they do is they will actually filter it. So it's almost like a Tennessee, the Lincoln County process where they'll take the bourbon and then they will run it through Texas mesquite, American oak charcoals to smooth it out, give it a little bit of smokiness, some sweetness. It's only available near the distillery now, but it is coming out soon, and I can you can be sure I'm going to get my hands on it. And actually, at the San Francisco 
2019 World Spirits Competition. It earned the double gold medal with a 90-point rating. So I cannot wait to get my hands on it, but I have just poured a glass of the good old-fashioned Wild Turkey, formerly known as Wild Turkey 81, I will say. Cheers. Mmm. Mm-mm-mm. Oh, yeah. Now, this starts with water that passes through a natural limestone shelf in Kentucky. So it's got that deep alligator number four char in the American white oak barrels. So I'm getting some nice caramel, getting some vanilla, definitely on the fuller flavored side, fuller bodied side. 81 proof, so 40.5% alcohol by volume. They also come out with a Wild Turkey 101, which is a little bit higher proof, but very, very nice, very smooth as well. But this is very, very pleasant on the palate. Again, I'm getting some nice warmth, some nice deep, rich flavors, almost a little bit of that char that I can definitely pick up on the palate. Let me take another sip here. Mm. Little vanilla, spice, very nice. Colonel Ange, I know you've had wild turkey bourbon before. Oh, well, you know what? Fun, funny, the last time I had that, I was helping our dear friend and uh, mentor, uh, Butcher Dave. Yes. The great Butcher Dave. Uh, he had a uh, event that he was catering to raise some money, and uh, I went along to help. And I brought along for our, uh, our libation for today a bottle of that very same wild turkey you're drinking right now. And he and I both enjoyed it. He's a big fan of wild turkey, as am I. So that was the last time I got to have it, and I shared it with uh, our dear friend. Well, I have to tell you that the combination between the Alec Bradley Max and this wild turkey, the 81 proof, very nice. Cannot go wrong. And think about it. If you're going to have turkey Thanksgiving, gobble, gobble, it is the perfect pairing. And I'll tell you, their, their Russell's Reserve is great as well. Just a very nice, you can't go wrong with wild turkey. Some of the other names, I think, get a little bit more attention. But to me, wild turkey, just one of those brands that uh, is just done very well. And with their extensions, with the Russell's Reserve, they've got some really nice small batch bourbons, as well as single barrels that you cannot go wrong with. So very, very pleasant indeed. Colonel Ange, what libation have you poured today? Well, I could have you send you out. Have you guess? It's uh, one of the uh, traditional gin? ones, and yes, a, a Boodles Gin Bloody Mary. Oh, I like Boodles. Mm-hmm. Now, Boodles Gin Bloody Mary. That's right. You like your Bloody Marys with gin instead of yes. vodka. Yes. Yes. I now, do. I'll tell you that Boodles British Gin I very much enjoy. That's got a very nice uh, flavor to it. It's been around. Originally, was introduced in the 1800s. Does not get as much recognition as some of the other well or no, better-known gins that are on the market. But uh, still a very nice uh, gin, and it's actually produced at Greenall's Distillery in Warrington, England. And do you want to know how I know that? How do you know that? Well, the great Mick the Brit knows everything about spirits <laughs> when it comes to the U.K. and Britain. And so I he guess. told me, but it's got a very nice nose, nice juniper, but a very clean finish on it. Now, why do you enjoy the Boodles? Well, I like a classic London Dry. Uh, again, I'm not much for. And there's the, no citrus. Uh, a London Dry. No, right. Unlike not most London Dry gins have citrus. Boodles does not. Correct. Nice clean 
beautiful finish. I mean, obviously it's great straight up, but a gin and tonic, the Bloody Mary, nice, clean. You're not overwhelmed uh, with an herbal nose. Goes down easy. Delicious gin, and you're right about it uh, flying under the radar. At least it did for many years, but a few years ago it won a couple of awards, and uh, the uh, price difference between, let's say, Boodles and Beef Eaters then was about 20% less. And now it's uh, comparable. They sell for the same price. Not an overly expensive gin, but in line with uh, Beef Eaters. But I nine, enjoy this better. Yeah, nine botanicals in the Boodles. Juniper. Right. Coriander seed, angelica root, angelica seed, cassia bark, caraway seed. It's like a Kimmelwick roll, Colonel Ange. Yeah, uh, nutmeg, more or less, yeah. Yeah, nutmeg, rosemary, and sage. And it is a very clean, I agree with you, it's a very clean gin. In fact, I think at one of our uh, Cigar Day Pleasure Fest, uh, pre-Pleasure Fest dinners, I think I picked up a bottle of Boodles for you, if I'm not mistaken, that we had at Cigar Mother Piera's uh, house the night before with the entire crew. Oh, yes. Yes, you did. And I was forever grateful for that. And I think I made a lot of converts, too, to that gin after that night. Yep. Very nice. No yeah. question yeah. about it. All right. Mm-hmm. So my cigar is properly lit. I've got my libation, my wild turkey. Everything is good. Now, before we take a quick time out, let me just tell you this. Now, Colonel Ange, you were mentioning the fact that there are some restrictions on people being able to attend Thanksgiving dinners because Kim Jong Cuomo and the Fuhrer of California, Gavin Newsom, have said there's a limit on six people in California, ten people in uh, New York, I believe. In California, Newsom says it's got to be held outside, can't be more than two hours, and if somebody uses the restroom, it has to be sanitized between uh, bathroom uses. But here's a little kicker. A couple of days ago, photos emerged of California Governor Newsom at a party at the French Laundry, owned by the same owner of Persoso in New York. It's actually called Per Se. I call it Persoso. French Laundry in Napa. It's about 400 or 450 bucks. It's a prefix menu. Like seven courses, but every course you need an electron microscope to actually see the course. It's that small. So seven courses, and you get maybe a three ounces of food, and it's 450 bucks. What a deal. And so it's all inclusive, and he was there with, I think, 14 or 15 people, more than two families. And, and now, of course, he's coming out saying, well, yes, uh, that was probably wrong. But see, here's the amazing thing. It's the hypocrisy. Do as I say, not as I do. All these sack of shit Democrats. And there's no such thing as... See, saying somebody is a good Democrat, that's an oxymoron. They're all, Democrats are the lowest form of life on the planet. Well, maybe they're just above ISIS, terrorists, and pedophiles. So let's clarify that. But not much. But these Democrats, the Cuomos, the Lori Lightfoot, mayor of Chicago, Governor uh, Gretchen Cruella DeVille Whitmer in Michigan, Gavin Newsom in the People's Republic of California, They're all absolute hypocrites. They're the ones saying, you can't have people over. You need to be locked down. You can't go to your your second home. You can't do this. You can't do that. You need a test. you got to quarantine before you come back to the state. Do they do any of that? When Governor, correction, when Kim Jong Cuomo, the Fuhrer of the crumbling empire state of New York, when he went down to South Carolina to supposedly say thank you to the governor of the state, 
for allowing them the use of like 10 ventilators. Now, I didn't realize that a governor has to go down and thank them in person. I would think 10, 12 ventilators or 15, a simple call and a nice letter, send them a fruit basket or something. That would be sufficient. He went down there to Charleston for the weekend. And Charleston, South Carolina, one of those states where when you come back, you're supposed to quarantine. Did Kim Jong Cuomo quarantine? No, because he said, I'm essential personnel. Governor Gretchen Corella Deville Whitmer, her husband, no boating allowed. Her husband calls the marina at uh, during the early part of the pandemic in the spring and says, listen, can you get my boat in? And they said, no, I'm sorry, we can't do that. And he said, well, you know, can't you just do it for me? And he, they said, no, I'm sorry, we were under an order. Well, of course, didn't take much for them to leak that to the media. And, of course, when Governor Gretchen Cruella DeVille Whitmer was queried on it, she said, oh, he was just kidding. Bullshit. He wasn't kidding. They don't believe the rules apply to them. And when you look at California, Gavin Newsom. Now, this is a classic. Rick Grinnell, the former ambassador to Germany and the acting uh, director of national intelligence. This is beautiful. Comes out with a tweet earlier this week. Six people are allowed for Thanksgiving. But 30 are allowed for a funeral in California. So I will be holding a funeral for my pet turkey that will pass away on November 26. Refreshments provided. Is that not beautiful, Colonel Ange? Well, yeah, you know, and, and even uh, Newsom, do you know what that party was, who that party was for that he went to? I believe it was for a, uh, wasn't it a, a wedding party or, or a. No, it was, was a it 50th, 50th birthday party for one of the lobbyists that helped put him into office. There you go. That's right. Yep, exactly. Yep. A that's 50th exactly birthday right. party for a lobbyist that uh, he had to make sure he kept smiling. So if you're going to break the rules, make sure you're going to benefit by it. I mean, it is just absurd that, you know, and he said, well, the dinner was outdoors. It really yeah. wasn't outdoors. It was indoors. And, and basically, they had a few people that stepped outside for a while, and they said that the group was so loud, the sliding doors had to be closed. <laughs> so this is all nonsense. It is incredible to me, the hypocrisy. So I say, screw all these Democrats. And that's why I say there is Democrats are the lowest form of life on the planet, because not only are they hypocrites, but they believe the rules don't apply to them. They want to destroy your livelihood. They want to destroy your business. They absolutely use the Chinese Communist Party Wuhan virus. I call it the election infection. They absolutely use that to destroy business, thinking, hey, let's not let a, a good crisis go to waste. Absolutely absurd. So I, for those of you that are Democrats, I'm sorry. If you don't want to listen, feel free to tune out. But that is my feeling on Democrats. And listen, I've gone after Republicans, too. There are a lot of garbage Republicans that are phonies. Mitt Romney's one of them. John McCain was another sack of shit. Not, not his, his military career, but as a politician, I met John McCain three times in Florida. And I can tell you, meeting him per in person, he was the biggest Washington, D.C. swamp rat snake there was. So people say, oh, John McCain, what an American hero. Yeah, he was a military, I give, give credit to him on his military service. His political service, I don't give him an iota of credit or respect. But all these rhinos, the Democrats, I have no problem going after them because they are garbage. They are the lowest forms of life on the planet. And if you want to enjoy your Thanksgiving, go ahead. If you have people that may be susceptible, that are elderly, wear a mask, keep them six, eight feet around. If you can, eat outside. But look, Colonel Ange in western New York, 
in the pooch pit, now you'll eat out there no problem. But I would assume that if the weather is chilly, it's not realistic. It is not practical to eat outside. Therefore, you eat inside. So I say, look, be safe, be smart about it. But this is an important holiday. Socialization is important. To me, what we have done by shutting off seniors, shutting off patients in nursing homes is just unacceptable. Shutting them off from the rest of the world, we may as well put them in solitary confinement. It's the same thing. So I say, screw these Democrats. And to all of you that want to celebrate Thanksgiving with friends, with family, do so. Do so wisely, but enjoy the holiday. Who gives a damn what a Democrat governor or mayor or politician says? And if somebody says to you, well, the governor said this, you say, look, I will follow the same standards and protocols the governor does. And I guarantee you, if you think Cuomo's going to only have 10 people over, think again. He's going to have all his brothers, his sisters. He's going to have all his kids. He'll have 20, 30 people, guaranteed. Newsom, he just proved he doesn't care about following any restrictions on 10 people dining only outside. Lori Lightfoot, Gretchen Whitmer, they're all frauds. Enjoy your Thanksgiving, and when we come back, we will hit the four types of cooking methods, roasting, grilling, smoking, and frying. Your Thanksgiving turkey as we discuss turkey cooking maneuvers on this special Thanksgiving edition, combo edition of the Cigar Dave Show and Bold Alpha Podcasts. To commemorate the founding, the discovery of the new world, A.J. Fernandez teamed up with his father, Ishmael, for the very first time to create the New World lineup of cigars from A.J. Fernandez. And there is a new world for every cigar connoisseur's taste palette. For those of you that like a mild, creamy cigar, first up, without any question, the A.J. Fernandez, New World, Connecticut is for you. If you are looking for more of a medium-bodied, spicy cigar, not overly spicy, just enough, I would suggest the New World Cameroon. And for those of you that are looking for an ultra-flavorful, bold, rich taste experience, the New World Oscuro would be the choice. There is a New World from A.J. Fernandez for every cigar taste palette. Check it out, AJFCigars.com, a new world for everyone. Colonel Ange joins us from the Pooch Pit. Colonel Ange, all right, let's get to the main event here. There are four types of methods to cook your Thanksgiving turkey. So let's start off roasting, grilling, smoking, and frying. Let's start off with the method that most all of us grew up on, the method that has been practiced for probably hundreds of years, going back to when the pilgrims first uh, landed here in the new world, roasting your turkey, where basically, you know, you put it in early in the morning and you smell it all day and it takes like 48 hours to cook the damn thing. <laughs> well, that's what it felt well, like, Colonel Ange, I'll tell you that. Well, that's the classic style. I, you know, I like to call it the Norman Rockwell turkey. That's the one that people love because it's got the great presentation. And it does take some time. But, you know, it really it really doesn't take that much. It seems that way because everybody's waiting and they can smell the turkey for hours. But if you have uh, an average 14-pound bird, you're going to have that bird done in about three and a half hours. Now, you know, obviously you increase the uh, cooking time for the, um, uh, the size of the bird. If you're going to do your 20-pound bird, it's probably going to take you uh, five hours to cook. 
but 14 pound bird, which is the one that's most typically sold and served on Thanksgiving, is about three and a half hours. You want to go through the process that we discussed in the first uh, part of the show. Then uh, the way I prefer to do it is to uh, start with your oven cranked up, get the oven up to about 400 to 415 degrees, put that bird in, make sure it's at room temperature before you do this, give it 20 minutes at that temperature, okay, and you want breast side up the whole time, then lower to heat to 325 degrees, rotate the bird 180 degrees, and then cook it for the remaining time and rotate it because the heat at the back of the oven is always much more than the heat at the front of the oven. You want to rotate it every 30 minutes during that process. So you're talking about 12 to 15 minutes per pound. Again, 14 pound bird, about three and a half hours. Now, do you cover it in foil? Do you put it in like one of those uh, plastic cooking bags? What, what do you recommend? Ooh, I don't do either. Okay. okay. Uh, if you're doing it in the oven, you know, I know those oven bags, people use them in the past. Honestly, it doesn't make a lot of difference, and it really prevents you from keeping a good eye on the bird. You really can't even tell once that thing steams up what the bird is even looking like. And it does have a tendency to uh, keep the moisture on the skin. So, no, neither of those. Just take it wide open. I would put it on a rack. I would elevate it. I mean, if you were planning on making your gravy with the uh, drippings from that bird, you would elevate it. You would put it in a maybe an aluminum pan and then elevate it with a rack. You could put your, uh, your aromatics, your t- uh, potatoes, your celery, your carrots underneath and let the drips, drippings come down. But even if you weren't going to do the dripping, I would elevate it. I would uh, buy a rack relatively cheap, maybe eight bucks, and then put it on a rack in a pan so that the bottom of the bird is elevated. It keeps, the, uh, it keeps the, the bottom of the bird from overcooking and the heat circulates around the bird. Colonel Lange, what about putting your stuffing inside the bird? I know that I, people sometimes tend to do that, but there's a safety issue there, isn't there? Oh, huge, huge. You know, that bird has got to be, when you're ready to carve it, that thing should be at 165 in the breast and putting the stuffing in slows down the cooking process number one and makes the process uneven number two okay it's just not going to cook thoroughly with that uh, stuffing inside the bird so yeah that's that was an old tradition but i think that's gone by the wayside i always make the stuffing separately i always do it's easy to do that way plus you know you're you're not taking a chance on this bird being undercooked somewhere now, Colonel Ange, in terms of roasting the turkey to keep it properly moist, juicy, do you take one of those basters, turkey basters, and do you have to every 10, 15 minutes open that oven and make sure it's all it's covered in, in basting juice? I don't prefer that method. I really don't. There are people that do that because they think it adds more flavor or it keeps the turkey from burning the skin really at 350 or well 325 that's ideal if you give it the high heat first to dry out that skin and then keep it at 325 there's no need to baste the bird there's just no need whatsoever basting is what what people use to prevent it from uh burning at the top 
if in the course of cooking it, say your oven's temperature uh, is uneven and you're getting too much heat on top, even at 325 after about two hours, you can take a piece of aluminum foil and just lightly tent the top of the bird if you see that the skin is starting to get too dark on top. But in most cases, if you shoot for that 325, and I would recommend anybody that's going to take and spend an entire week to put a dinner together, to before they even put that bird in the oven, get an oven thermometer and test your oven against the dial, okay? Those are even, those are cheap, 10 bucks. Put it in the oven, get your oven, match the the thermometer against the dial on it and you may find that in an older oven you could be off by as many as 15 degrees so cook wow. to the thermometer all right and so basically you figured what 14 minutes a pound is that what you figured yeah 12 to 15 12 so, to 15 yeah. minutes a pound okay yeah. and you don't want to overcook a turkey because if you do overcook it then it gets too dry so you really have to watch the temperature and you want it what in the breast at 160 165 uh, well, that's what you want it when it's done. And when it's done. The reason would you see recipes online that always say take it out at 165 is because they don't want anybody suing them if their bird is undercooked. I take my bird out at 157 degrees. Okay, 157? It, yep. Even yeah. from a fryer? It, e, oh, no, not from a fryer. Fryer's oh, different. No. Okay. No. Fryer's no, no, different. No. So if you're roasting your bird, 157 is where you want the temperature that when it hits 157 take it out take it and out. where do yeah, you where do you take the temperature at various spots or one spot uh, deepest part of the breast deepest the part deepest of the breast. part of the breast yeah i mean invest in an instant read thermometer okay a digital instant read thermometer and start checking that bird after about two and a half definitely at three hours but two and a half is when i start checking it well actually what i do is I have a, uh, a thermometer that I put inside the bird. It runs with a cable and goes outside to a thermometer that keeps track of the heat. But in absence of that, instant read thermometer after two and a half hours, get it out of there before it heat hits 160 because that temperature is gonna rise as much as 10 degrees once wow. you bring it out. You gotta let it rest for 30 minutes. And in 30 minutes, if you bring it out at 165, I guarantee you, you're gonna have a that breast is going to be at, at least 170. All right, 157 is the number to shoot for on roasting. Now, yep. let's talk about grilling a turkey. Can you grill a turkey? <laughs> I think uh, grilling a turkey is probably one of the best ideas you could have. If you have the facility, you got a grill to do it because that's going to free up your oven to cook everything else you need. You Good don't idea, have to worry good about, move. Yeah, I mean... I, I learned that lesson a long time ago. Trying to keep all that stuff in an oven, you, you know, you you got stuffing. You may have your your casserole, your beans, your yams. Do it on a grill. Grilling is beautiful. The only thing you, there's a few things that you have to remember when you're doing it on a grill, is you want indirect heat. Everybody's heard that a million times. If it's on a gas grill, you heat one side, birds on the other side. Charcoal grill, same way. Divide it in half, put the charcoal on one side, put the bird on the other side, and uh, cook it that way. It'll cook in exactly the same amount of time. There's no difference between a grill and an oven. I've said that for years. Uh, a grill is nothing but an outside oven. Right. So what you do want to do is if you're going to do it on a, on a grill, 
you can prepare it exactly the same way you do for the oven. There is no difference whatsoever. Nothing special you need to do. Get your indirect heat. Start the bird with the legs facing the heat. Okay. Legs give it... facing the heat. So if I've got a grill and I've got the heat on the right side, I want those legs facing the right side. Absolutely. Because that's where the dark meat is. That's what's going to take longer to cook, the legs and the thighs. So put it in that direction. And, and then I wouldn't rotate that thing at least for an hour and a half. After the first one and a half hours, then you can rotate it and you can put the breast side closer to the uh, heat source. But you want at least three quarters of the time for the back side of that bird to be closer to the heat instead of the front side. You want to you toast its butt is what you want to do. So you've so, got to keep an eye on it. Yeah, and, and so basically you got to have that thermometer again, 157. And if you have mm-hmm. one of those remote thermometers where you can watch it in real time, it's a Wi-Fi or it's a Bluetooth thermometer that you can use that's the best because that'll give you real-time alerts and you can keep an eye on it so when it hits that 157 deepest part of the breast take it off exactly and i do recommend that especially if you're the one doing all the cooking i mean if you're just in charge of the bird you know get your cocktail get your cigar sit on a chair and have fun watching it all morning but if you're in the kitchen trying to get the rest of it done i do recommend getting one of those remote thermometers there's many brands out there we've talked about them before uh thermoworks uh makes a great one uh, weber now makes one and this way you can be inside and you can keep track of the temperature of that bird you're not surprised i'm looking at the thermoworks uh actually wait a minute no i'm not but i want to pull that up thermoworks yeah look for the smoke Thermoworks uh, yep, Smoke. I just, yep, pulling it up right this second. I am looking at it right now. Smoke Remote Barbecue Alarm Thermometer, as they say in Britain, the thermometer. And I'm looking at that right now, and it's got uh, the probe that you can stick in there. $69.30 at Thermoworks. I think this is the one that I'm looking at. And it looks as though there's two different alarms, so you can put multiple different alarms for temperatures. Yeah, you can have one that also monitors. One of them uh, you would uh, clip to the grate of the grill, and that'll give you a constant uh, reading of the uh, air temperature inside your grill so you can adjust the heat accordingly. And the other one goes inside of the uh, turkey or the protein, whatever you're cooking. That's a nice little uh, setup. It works great. They have uh, one that, uh, they as you move up the scale there, they have one that works on a Bluetooth. They have one with a phone app. And they have one that's uh, infrared. Their uh, newest one, the 4X, is the one that I use. It's an infrared that gives you about a mile's range, so you can actually leave the house and still monitor the uh, the temperature of the bird. But I do recommend them. They make a great one. Uh, Weber makes one, but they still have some kinks that they got. Is that the iGrill too you're talking about? Yes. The Weber, okay. And yeah, I see there's one called has... the uh, Meat Stick. Yes, well, that one's a nice one, too. That just, in fact, we talked about that, you and I, a couple of weeks ago. Yep. Uh, the, uh, uh, the meter. And the meter, it's got that's a, it, yep. It's got a built-in uh, uh, gauge in it that reads it out through uh, a Bluetooth on your Wi-Fi. And for a while, it was very sketchy. You would lose the connection, but there was a recent uh, software update, and now it works like a charm. 
So, you know what? I've used both. I've used both. And uh, I would recommend the meter and I would recommend Thermoworks. Those are two good ones. You make an investment in it, but if you're spending a lot of time out there, not only grilling, but especially if you were smoking and need to keep track of the ambient temperature as well as the temperature of the protein, invest in the meter, invest in the Thermoworks. Uh, they're beautiful products that last you a lifetime. I'm looking at the meter right now. They have one now that has uh, the meter plus with Bluetooth repeater, 165 foot range. There is no need for any wires. You stick, it's actually got the Bluetooth uh, repeater right on there. So you stick the probe in there and then you just put it in the, I guess you can, it can handle high temperatures and there's no issues. So it's actually no, it, uh, pretty neat. Yeah, and that one probe will monitor both the ambient temperature and the temperature of the uh, protein. I'm going to pick one of those up and the specs, the maximum internal temperature for the meat, it will pick up is 212, the maximum ambient temperature 527 degrees. Yeah, so basically, if you're if you're grilling a turkey at over 527 degrees, <laughs> you got an issue. You may want to yeah. back that heat down just a little bit. So, I will uh, definitely pick one of those up. All right, so I highly grilling. recommend it. It's nice, it's clean and it's easy, no wires, uh, Nice, great line of sight. Pick one up. I think you'd be happy. I'm sold. So grilling, indirect heat, where you have the turkey, you want to make sure there's no heat on it. You want to have the legs facing the heat. And then after about an hour and a half, then you can rotate and move the legs towards the other end of the grill. That way the dark meat cooks first. And then just monitor the temperature. We still want 157 degrees. Correct. Exactly the same way as you take it out of an oven. There's no difference. All right. Now let's talk about smoking a turkey. I tried smoking in my electric smoker. I had all sorts of problems. Colonel Ange, I called you. I said, this isn't working. It's not. It's just that the, the little tray where you put the little wood pellets in just didn't burn. It was it was a disaster, Colonel Ange. It was not good. I'll tell you that. Yeah. Well, you know, I really have a tough time with electric smokers. I mean, I had one for a while. Basically, it was great for appetizers, anything that took less than two hours. But after that time, it just it just didn't perform. So uh, I don't have that anymore. Uh, I use either. I have a couple of them. Uh, one of them is a classic Weber uh, smoker that is charcoal fuel, and then the one I use most of the time because it's consistent and doesn't require as much attention is a uh, Camp Chef, which is a, I had converted it from uh, propane to natural gas. I have a line running right to that uh, smoker. And you're gonna have to count on more time, okay? I mean, if you're gonna smoke a turkey, you want it, the temperature to be between 220 and 225, okay? That's the temp. Now, it's even more important that you, that you spend the time to dry out that skin ahead of time because smoking a turkey doesn't give you high heat and that skin can get flabby. So be sure to air dry it in the fridge and I would give it two days if you're gonna smoke it. And then get ready because you're gonna need a 14 pound bird seven to eight hours from beginning to end. Seven to eight hours, time. and 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 yep. low and slow. So, what what was the temperature? I know our good friend Brady Fisher, may he rest in peace, would always. I think it was. Didn't he like it at like two o two or two o five? 
Yeah, 203, because he didn't want it to get to the boiling point so that the moisture in the uh, whatever he was smoking would dry up. And the setup he had is fine with that. I mean, it's fine. Because, again, you know how that worked. You loaded up the smoker the night before, and everything smoked for as many as 12 hours, 14 hours. But practically speaking, if you were going to do that at your for your turkey... You know, you're going to be up at uh, 2 in the morning tending a smoker. So, yeah, 203, if you have the time and you have the setup, is a great way to smoke. That is true low and slow. Uh, the temperature never gets hot enough to boil water, so moisture stays in the product, but it takes a damn long time. I mean, if you're going to do a brisket, it could take you 24 hours. Wow, that's, uh, that's a long time, and you've got to be yeah. very patient. Well, I'll tell you, one of my... One of the investments I'm going to make is a pellet smoker, and I am looking at several models, but the one that I'm looking at is the Camp Chef. That mm -hmm. is state-of-the-art, and that looks pretty cool. Reasonably priced, not, not breaking the bank. I mean, you can spend thousands of thousands. I think this one is around $699, $799, but it's got the same thing, like a Wi-Fi and Bluetooth, and you set it and forget it. And it yep. takes care of everything, automatically keeps it at the right temperature, adds more of the wood pellets when you need it, does everything. So I'm definitely going to be looking at that. So smoking is a great option, but you have to prepare. you got to make it time. Sergeant Steve, I know, uses the big green egg. Now, mm -hmm. I have a big green egg. I never. He has better luck than I do. But Sergeant Steve, do I'm, you cook the turkey? Do you smoke the turkey on the big green egg? Absolutely, every year. And how, how many hours? It usually ends up, I, I usually do it, it ends up around 250, and we'll usually get around a 20-pound turkey. It takes five hours. Okay, that's not too bad. No, it's not. It always, not cooks it always cooks faster than I anticipate. Okay. Not bad. Well, two, at 250, at 250, you're going to cut back on the time, and you yep. can do it at 250. There's no... It comes, you know, it no comes out moist. It's, I mean, the, the smoke flavor, and it's beautiful. We usually add some hickory chips to it. Uh, soak those in apple apple juice beforehand. Add some Jack Daniels to it. Usually, okay, not um, bad. Turns out great every year. All right, yeah, so we you can ahead. you Go can ahead. increase the temp. I've I've actually made chicken and turkey in a smoker at three hundred and twenty five degrees and used it just like an oven. You can do that. You know, you just have to keep an eye on it. It's all about taking mm -hmm. the temp of the bird. That's all. Yeah, and I have that ThermoWork smoked. Colonel Ange referred yeah. that to me a couple years ago, and it works great. Great. The, the thermal work smoke. All right. Well, I think I'm going to buy the meter. M-E-A-T-E-R, because this thing is Wi-Fi. You stick it in five times longer range than the initial, initial meter. It's the meter plus. I'm going to give that one a try. So we've got three methods so far. Roasting your turkey, grilling your turkey, smoking your turkey. When we come back for our final and concluding segment... We will discuss my absolute favorite method now of cooking your Thanksgiving turkey, and that is frying your bird. I was a skeptic, but now I am a believer. As the final and concluding segment of this special Happy Thanksgiving Turkey Maneuver edition of the Cigar Day Show and Bold Alpha Podcast comes your way next. A new cigar that has just hit retailer shelves, the Camacho Nicaragua. The Camacho Nicaragua is forged in fire. Some things just can't be tamed. If you are looking for a cigar with full 
frontal flavor with notes of sweetness, spiciness, oaky flavors with some cigar tobaccos from Nicaragua that are forged in volcanic soil. The Camacho Nicaragua is for you. It features an Ecuadorian wrapper, Honduran binder, Honduran Dominican filler, as well as a special filler from Nicaragua, the volcanic island of Ometepe. What does that Ometepe tobacco give to the Camacho Nicaragua? It gives a very unique intensity with a unique oaky flavor. So if you're looking for a cigar that is medium to full, tons of flavor with a unique flavor spectrum, give the Camacho Nicaragua a try. Available at DavidoffGeneva.com. My absolute favorite method of cooking the turkey is frying the bird. Now, I was one of those people way back, probably until 10 years ago, that believed, oh, frying a turkey, it's going to be goopy and greasy and oily and disgusting. Was I ever wrong? I could not believe it. The first time I had a fried turkey, I went to my late friend, Dr. Dennis Papello. He had a big men's stag every year that he would throw right around December or January. And they would fry about 40 turkeys. They had two, 300 people that would show up, cigars, booze. It was just a good old-fashioned men's stag. And it went way back, and I was fortunate enough to get invited. And they were, they were frying these turkeys literally like every five minutes there was another bird coming off. And I said, well, let me give it a try. I was amazed. I was astonished. It was moist. It was juicy, but it didn't taste oily. Well, I was convinced. That was it. And then Colonel Ange, we had you for our Thanksgiving. Actually, for many years, we did the Tampa Cigar Heritage Festival in Ybor City and then in Fort Coton Shelby Park. And you would cook because it was always the Saturday before Thanksgiving. You would always fry a turkey or smoke a turkey. And we fried several turkeys, and they were delicious. And it took, I think, less than an hour. I think we figure three... Three and a half minutes per pound to uh, fry a turkey. And it is delicious. It is just moist. And it's easy. And so I bought one of those Butterball electric turkey fryers. I didn't want to screw with propane. And then after a few years, Butterball came out. The master built XXL. And I said, look, I've got the XL. I need the XXL. And now I can do up to 22 pounds or 24 pounds of delicious bird. This year I'll have a 20-pound turkey. Colonel Ange, frying is the absolute best way in my estimation in terms of speed, taste, juiciness, and overall satisfaction. It's a great way to do it. It's a wonderful way. In fact, you know, the, the uh, master-built people that uh, designed the Butterball Fryer, they came up with a hell of a machine. The first time I ever saw that was with you and with uh, uh, Captain Paul when uh, our dear friend Brady was with us and he used it uh, during one of our shows. And you're absolutely right. I mean, that uh, it's high temp. I mean, that oil is 390 degrees, 390. Now, you know you're frying chicken wings and uh, french fries at 350, so you can imagine 390 is high heat. But you're right on, you're spot on. It's three to four minutes a pound. You're always under an hour, and it does come out delicious. And I've never once had 
a complaint when I've served a deep fried turkey. In fact, when Captain Paul has his usual uh, Thanksgiving maneuvers, he invites many people. I think he has 50 people. He does uh, three or four birds, and there's always one of them that's uh, deep fried in his uh, butterball fryer. It's great. And you prep it. Uh, the way you prep it is the best way. I know that you uh, hit it with a rub and you inject it. Perfect way to do it. And again, it's done. Close the lid on the uh, fryer and enjoy your turkey in an hour. Not a whole day's process. It's, it, is, it is a wonderful way to do it. I mean, it is. I couldn't believe. I mean, the first time I did it, you know, you've got to adjust. You've got to learn the proper technique to make sure that you don't, you know, how to clean everything up and what to do and the oil and everything. But once you get it down, it is easy. There's just some little tricks. I use that Masterbuilt Butterball XXL Turkey Fryer. And what I like about the new model, it's very easy for cleanup, very easy for prep. It accommodates a large turkey. What I do is I make sure I do it outside and I put a large, giant, deluxe plastic bag outside. That way, if anything does drip, you don't have to worry about it. But you you put the oil in and I think it takes maybe an hour, if that, to heat up the oil. And then you just slowly put that bird in there. And I've figured... I've, played around with the right times. They say three to four minutes, four minutes is too much, three minutes. I find about 3.15 to three minutes and 30 seconds per pound is just about right. And then when it's done, you just, and I use safety goggles. I've got the, the special gloves. You lift it out, let it all that oil drain, and then just let it sit and rest. And then when you carve it up, it is magnificent. I mean, everybody that has come over to the Pleasure Palace for Thanksgiving turkey maneuvers is shocked at how delicious a fried turkey is. I had people over last year. We had Puff Muffin Lori and XO Tim that happened to be down, and I had some other friends, and they were shocked. They'd never had a fried turkey, and they were they were amazed. They could not believe it. When they were done eating it, they're like, that's it. I'm getting a turkey fryer. That's the only method I'm going to use from now on. It's that good. Can't go wrong. Yeah. No, it, it's simple. And, the, and that machine is beautiful. I mean, you... It, uh, it has the, uh, the submersion uh, tank with it, so you just slowly lower. I mean, again, you know there are just the precautions you have to take. You really do need the heat-proof rubber gloves. You should be wearing some sort of eye protection just in case. The biggest thing that you have to remember is that that bird is perfectly dry inside and outside right. so that there's no moisture on the bird. You take those precautions. You put that bird in, you lift it out, it, 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 it sits on its own retaining rack so that the oil drips right back into the container. You don't have to move it someplace or put it in a separate pan. Bird comes right out. It doesn't stick to the sides. You pick that bird up, you put it on a, on a tray and you're, or on a cutting board and you're ready to go. So yeah, I agree, but uh, I do recommend that master built because that's clean, it's efficient, uh, you can use it uh, undercover. You can, you know, put it someplace if you have a gazebo or in a garage. You can cook in the house with it. I did make uh, a bird in the kitchen with it. The problem with that is that you have to deal with the uh, the smoke and a little bit of the the oily smell in the air. But it's safe, and uh, I recommend it. Colonel Ange, 
You sold me a long time ago. It's a beautiful <laughs> thing. And, and you can also, you know, you, there are people that use the propane method. I just don't want to deal with the gas and don't want to deal with all that. That, to me, you've got to be very careful because you always read about every, every year there's always some fires or there's accidents with those propane units. To me, that electric one is the absolute best. They say you can use it inside use it outside. That's what I do. It's easy. You can put it on a counter. You can put it on a table. We've done it for the Pleasure Fest. We've put it on a folding table and just make sure we had it covered with some plastic uh, or cloth so that if there was any splashing, it would hit that. But it's a great way to do it. And again, for a 20-pound turkey, 20 pounds, I'm going to be looking at somewhere around 65 minutes. That would take for a 20-pound turkey, Colonel Ange, roasting what? Four hours, four and a half hours. Oh, more than that. It, you're probably talking five hours. That's a five-hour five bird. Yeah. No, thank you. Three, Sixty-five minutes. Done. Yeah. No, it's done. great. And, and, and there's all kinds of safety features. You know, it's got a breakaway power cord, so you know you don't have to worry about the, tripping over the cord if somebody hits it like with a with the propane. You know, it can tip over. Somebody can get their foot caught in the uh, the hose, and that'll drop the tank. This thing has a breakaway electric cord. It's I don't know. It's it's ingenious. It's a great way, and I don't blame you for one minute for doing it that way. I've made many myself uh, over the years. So, good way to go. It's a you will great absolutely way to go. love it. And let me just take a look here because I know that I don't even. I think they call it. I don't even think they call it. Uh, the Butterball anymore. I think they may have stopped doing the license. Let me just take a look here over. Yeah, I think it's strictly master built now. I think, yep, it's now, yep, they, well, one of them, they've got a Butterball five liter electric fryer. I think when that one's done, that's it. But here's, they've got the XL, which is what I believe I have, but I thought they also had an XXL version. But uh, let me see what it says. In terms, ah, they, I think they do have an X. This is the XL, but I think they've also got an XXL unit somewhere along. Yeah, they do have an XXL. There's another one, too, that they have. But in any event, you can't go wrong, and I think you're looking anywhere between 100 to 150 bucks. Last year, I've been to be shopping in Costco a few weeks before Thanksgiving. They had probably 20 pallets full of these <laughs> Butterball turkey fryers, the XXLs, and I think they were about 125 bucks, 135 bucks, something along those lines. But you absolutely can't go wrong. It was fantastic. Good way to go. Colonel Ange, tell me about your plans for Thanksgiving this year. Let me guess. Uh, you're cooking. Uh, this is the one holiday that I don't. This is, uh, this is uh, my brother-in-law. Uh, they do the uh, turkey. It was their family tradition for years. So uh, they do Thanksgiving, and then I do Christmas, and on Christmas I do a turkey, and I also do a ham. So I do both at Christmas time. So this is the one where I make my uh, famous orange cranberry bourbon relish and several appetizers that I bring to the party. But the bird is in their hands. The bird is in their hands. And Colonel Ange, i got to believe, not as good as Colonel Ange's bird. That's just I would just take a guess on that. Well, you know, between you and me, I just make sure that they make a lot, a lot of gravy, and I bring a couple bottles of wine. <laughs> <laughs> Fantastic. All right, well, I've got uh, Cigar Sister Lynn, Cigar Mother Piera, and Lynn's fiancé coming down to the Pleasure Palace. And uh, unlike last year when the Bills were taking on the Dallas Cowboys, there is no Bills game uh, on 
Thanksgiving. That was special last week, uh, last year, especially when the Bills decimated the Cowboys. That really made for a wonderful Thanksgiving uh, in addition to the company and the great birds. So we'll be doing it down here. And Colonel Ange, my best to you and Mrs. Pooch Rita and Private G for a very happy Thanksgiving. And as always, we appreciate you coming on and giving us your expertise for Thanksgiving turkey cooking maneuvers. It's always a pleasure, General. I enjoy it, and I wish you and your family all the best this Thanksgiving. Enjoy your holiday. Give my love to uh, the whole clan. Will do for sure, and I'm sure they send it back. And much appreciating, appreciate having you on, as always, Colonel Ange. Enjoy the rest of your CAO. And as always, Cigar Dave, the general saying, may your humidor always be full. May your cutter always be sharp. May your ash be extra, extra long. Semper Delictatio, always pleasure. Long live the Alpha. Make America great again. Make masculinity great again. Keep counting the right votes for the greatest president, probably since Abraham Lincoln, President Donald J. Trump. As always, I wish to you a very happy Thanksgiving. You are now fully prepared for Thanksgiving turkey cooking maneuvers. Gobble, gobble.